0: Hello, this is Sarah. I am the person who tends to edit the episodes of Queer Cuz. Now, the episode you are about to listen to is a pilot of Queer Cuz. This is before Queer Cuz was going to be a thing, or we actually hadn't realized at this point that it was going to be a podcast. We just thought it was going to be a one-off video of us sitting around uh, chatting about being Filipino queer, studying STEM subjects, or working in different STEM fields. So the episode you're about to listen to is the beginning of what became Queer Cuz and seeing us kind of talk about these subjects for the first time. So sit back and relax and I hope you enjoy this episode. I'm doing something a little bit different today. Usually I do hands-on science videos, usually I chat about science, but today I decided to invite three of my cousins. Uh, I'm from a very large family. There's 12, 12 of us, there's 12 of us, right? Please nod, yeah, nods, good, good. If I am wrong, it might turn out there's actually eleven of us. Uh, I'm sorry <laughs> about either the, I, the cousin I've like forgotten or the cousin I've fabricated, apparently. But we're we're from a quite a large family, and this is on uh, so my mum's side, of the family. And uh, I um, basically wanted to chat today about being in STEM, being queer, and also being Filipino or Filipina, Filipinx. So uh, to introduce myself first, uh, I'm Sarah. I'm a science communicator from the UK. I'm the only one. from this side of the family who's actually based in the UK. Um, I am a science communicator but I first studied biology when I was at university and I also did a master's degree as well. Um, My pronouns are she her and I recently have come out as ace as in just a few weeks ago so I think in comparison to everyone else I'm like the baby queer that's still like figuring themselves out in this world of I don't know, Uh, (laughs) I'm still figuring it out. Um, But yeah, that's me. Uh, So I'm gonna hand it over to Dee.
1: Hi, I am Dee, um, also known as the Off-White Magician Online. I am an administrative assistant um, at a a non-public school um, that teaches the Montessori Method. Um, And I am, my pronouns are she, he, and I am uh, bisexual and biromantic
0: just to quickly ask um would you prefer us to call you she or he today or are you happy with both of those uh equality? i'm
1: leaning he today so uh but he's cool but leaning yeah.
0: he. yeah i'm happy yeah happy to do that
1: uh
0: angelica
2: um, so my name is Jolica. I recently graduated from UCLA, I majored in ecology, behavior, and evolution. So it's kind of more like the biology side of environmental science. Um, so right now I'm in like that weird post-grad state. I'm currently working at a vet hospital, so we'll see where that takes me. Uh, and my pronouns are she/they. i I'm okay with any of those,
0: like right now, so. And, um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> okay. And Elena. Um, Hi, my name
3: is Elena. I'm a second year mechanical engineering student with a focus in environment and sustainability, uh, which is new. It used to not be that. uh, So we're just trying to figure things out. I'm um, pansexual and uh, yeah.
0: Oh, cool. Uh, thanks, everyone. Can I just quickly just um, get us started off with, um, how did you get into your area of STEM? Like, what got you interested?
1: Since I didn't say it in my first initial introduction, um, I graduated um, university with a bachelor's in neuroscience. Um, and I went into neuroscience for mostly two reasons. Um, one is because I had to choose a science degree. Um, and two was because out of the science degrees, um, it was the closest to psychology. Um, and um, during a lot of my childhood, I uh, battled with um, depression and anxiety. And I just wanted to figure out a way to help people and students and children who ended up kind of with the same kind of um, experience with send me. Uh, and um, I've kept it in my pocket ever since.
0: Um, just to kind of delve into what you've just said, um, sure. you said that you felt like you had to choose a science degree. Um, was that, what was any particular reason behind that?
1: Um, the only way my parents would pay for my degree was if I chose a science degree. Okay,
0: cool, cool. And if you feel like you had the choice, would you have gone down a more, although I would say psychology has got plenty of science in it, um, would you have gone down a more psychology route if it wasn't?
1: For you? Um, I, I still probably would, I I am vaguely mad at our, uh, our uh, College of Liberal Arts, at the college that I went to, that will remain unnamed um, because um, I wanted to minor in psychology while uh, majoring in neuroscience, uh, but they said they were the subjects were too close and that I could not do that. What they didn't tell me is that I could have double majored. Oh, so
0: that's so... actually going to be an
1: option. So that could have been an option since I did four years of college, but went into college with 80 credit hours. So it was about halfway done as a freshman. Right. Um, and so if I went back, I actually probably maybe would have done neuroscience still, but with a minor in writing or creative writing.
0: Cool. Thank you. Um, I'm going to hand it over to either Angelica or Elena, whoever feels like going first. Um, okay. I can go first.
2: Um, so Ever since I was young, I think I was always more inclined towards science. And I was, I always had this interest in like animals and like the natural world. And so I think it was kind of natural for me to go into ecology rather than a more general field, such as biology. So I wanted to be more focused on like the environment as well. So, and I think it also plays the fact that like family kind of expects you to go into like a science related field.
0: So I think I was always kind of pushed towards going into science. <laughs> I have a feeling this might be a theme and we'll, we'll definitely <laughs> chat about that, which is very interesting. So, but I'll let Alina, um, yeah, you, you tell us how what got you into your um, area of STEM.
3: So um, I'm in mechanical engineering and I chose that because I've, I've always really loved problem solving and I've always been a big math person. I think math is super cool. Um, and I, I've, I really like tinkering, if that makes sense. Just like um, when I was younger, I'd always like take things apart, put them back together, all that kind of fun stuff. Um, and so it just felt like a natural fit. And I wanted to like combine it with something that I'm passionate about because those are the things that I kind of like, the things that I'm good at. Um, but I wanted to combine it with something I'm passionate about, which is, you know, the energy crisis, making that not happen. And like climate change,
0: that sucks
3: uh yeah so that's why I'm doing um environmental stuff and I um the reason that I I found that I was passionate about that is because I got a job with our campus like farmers market type thing there's like three different sections of it there's um uh, gardening market and um and zero waste and so I am involved with the the gardens and I do a lot of work with hydro
0: that's cool, because I remember um yeah, talking to you about that, and I think it's very interesting how you can get into college or university, and then actually it's an experience you might have there, whether it's an internship or a job in your case where you might find, oh actually, I'd really like to go in this direction, so I think that's really that's really, really cool,
3: yeah, I mean, I chose it as like like a hobby because I thought I was doing all these like rigorous classes with like calculus and all that kind of stuff, and a way to like decompress and going and gardening was my way of decompressing and then i realized i can just do that
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's great that's really great so um so i think there's from like Dean angelica although you know your interest you were still interested in that subject there was that push of you should go into science did you have that elena where you felt like you had to be pushed into something in, in a science area
3: a little bit. Uh, my parents were usually like super cool about it. There was a little bit of like push towards being like a doctor or something, or go into the going into the medical field because um, I think in I guess like that immigrant mindset, that Filipino culture of like this is secure, this is safe, you can do this, with a lot of money. Um, but after I got here and started working and learning more about the job field uh, for engineering. And like explaining that to my my mom, um, she's I'm pretty sure she's fully on board now.
0: So can we just get like a hands up of who was also kind of encouraged to go in the medicine doctor direction? <laughs> 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 ah, we we have a match. Um, because I I think that's I think you've touched on, on something there, Alina about kind of that, uh, the, so the immigrant mentality, but also I know, um, so what Filipinos are really known well for is um, being nurses. Um, it's something we see a lot of here. We see a lot of Filipino nurses. Um, our mm-hmm. health service directly recruits them from the Philippines as well. And I know in the US, there's a whole history to that as well. And also, if you look at our own family, hang on, I need to count properly. <laughs> so we have, so now you know, both of your parents are nurses Angelica. Your mum's a nurse, D. So it's three, and Auntie Tina is a nurse. So four people, and then your mum, Elena, who is a doctor.
3: And then
0: Shanna. Oh, and Shanna. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. As well. and then Kara. So yeah, we have a we're a family full of nurses, aren't we? The whole. I, I guess the thing about nursing is that it means that so. Um if you uh, grow up in the Philippines, you'll tend to learn in English or will learn English at some point along the way. Uh, and at university, you will tend to be taught in English too. Um, and then having a degree that can take you to lots of places. Um, but also, um, I also know there's kind of a link between the Philippines and the US uh, as, as well as other countries in terms of employment, right? So it's very interesting how in terms of when we think about Filipinos and STEM, that's all we really think of. I don't always, this is something I always think about whenever I'm in front of school kids, because I'll do science shows, though not very much in the moment, uh, but um, (laughs) if I go back several months ago, um, I was doing uh, science shows in front of kids, and I will talk about having a Filipino family and coming from a Filipino family. I feel like they need to see other representation, uh, but I'm talking from very much a British perspective in that there aren't that many Filipinos here. So what is Filipino representation like in the U.S., uh, whether that's generally, but also in STEM? The
3: thing that I can say is I grew up in Houston, and there's like a huge like medical center in Houston. And for that reason, I'm pretty sure there's there's a pretty big um, like Filipino population there as well. Um, and every single like gathering we would have, like, like Filipino party, like half of the adults there were probably were in the medical field or most likely nurses, and so I always definitely had that perception of you know Filipino equals medical. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, I think I think all all three of us who live in America do come from at least fairly Filipino dense areas, mostly because we are. Filipino. We ended up in the Filipino dense areas. Um, but I think each of the states that we're in each have a Jollibee, uh, which is a pretty good sign of the amount of Filipinos in your area. Uh, so Texas did get it before Chicago and I am not salty about that forever. Um,
3: <laughs> like 15 minutes away from my house. It's
1: amazing. I got, I have to drive an hour and 15 minutes to, to like a Northern suburb, which is like the Filipino dense area of Illinois. And I'm just like, And I have to call, I call all of my friends. We do like a 10 person car and we drive up to Jollibee's. Wild. Uh, Anyway, so in my area, we're fairly fairly dense for a Midwestern state um, because it's the cold state that Filipinos end up going to. Um, And in my high school, I knew five Filipinos in a class of 2000 students or in a school of 2000 students. Uh, and out of all of those students who I knew, uh, their one or both parents were nurses. Um, so I also kind of saw it and like two of my best friends were Filipino. Cause they kind of like hang out together in our area. Um, and so anyone who would come either in either a nurse or a doctor, and that's all they talked about.
2: I think out of all of us, I probably live in like the most Filipino dense population being from California. Um, I was lucky enough to go to school at UCLA. Obviously, L.A. has a heavy, like a dense population of Filipinos. So I think it was interesting for me to go to a college where there were so many Filipino students. And then you see that they're not only just venturing into the medical field. They're also going into like engineering like liberal arts all those like yeah. all the different fields but not just medical fields and it's like studying from our generation that's yeah starting to branch out going yeah. against like what their parents might deem like a stable career i guess so i think it was it was definitely interesting for me to see from our generation
0: yeah and maybe just to add a little bit more to that, uh, considering mm-hmm. um, why I brought all of us here today, is then LGBTQ plus representation in STEM fields, but on top of that, Filipino LGBTQ representation. Is that mm-hmm. something that you've been able to see?
1: Yeah, based on like what I saw in college, um, because I didn't exactly continue through the science route, um, but I'll kind of talk on the two labs that I did work in, um, but When I was in college, a lot of my neuroscience classes were Asian. Um, They were Asian heavy. Um, And my college did have a very big um, LGBTQ um, community. Um, So we did see, at least in in my pod, um, quite a few um, representations of both in the, uh, the STEM community. Um, But I think that's because that's what that college was specifically for were for LGBTQ and diverse students. That's kind of what my college is kind of sold for. Um, And so it was kind of really cool to see that. Uh, When I went into labs itself, uh, my first position, um, uh, there was one Filipino with me. um, And it was, uh, it was kind of a a writing lab kind of. Um, So there was one there. Um, I don't know if anyone was LGBTQ there, um, just because I was still in the early stages of kind of being comfortable to be out in your workplace. We didn't still have discrimination, uh, anti discrimination laws at that point. Um, So a lot of oh, and also my manager there was also Filipino. That is vaguely so like my manager there was Filipino. Um, But and then my next one which was a food lab. Um, there was uh, no Filipino representation there, but it was only a couple of us. So, And then once again, um, no, no one was really um, out for LGBTQ. Uh, now that I work at a school, which is a little bit STEM because we do teach them to the schools, I do know one or two other LGBTQ uh, um, staff members, and then there is one other um, teacher who is Filipino. So here at the university, we have
3: like, um, like different programs for, um, for like different, I don't want to say categories of people. I can't like think of a better word, but, uh, <laughs> there's like, uh, there's like a society for, um, LGBTQ people in engineering, um, and then there's also, you know, like the FSA, the Filipino Student Union, um, there's like subgroups of that based on um, your major. So I, you know, I personally haven't like been super involved with it, but it does really help to know that it's there and know that those exist. Um, and that's it's it's good to see it. Not It's also good to be in it, but it's also, you know if it exists then it means something to someone
0: yeah. i think you've like really touched on a good point there that at least you know it's there as an option and you don't need to necessarily go into spaces if you feel like hmm, i don't feel like i necessarily need this and also necessarily like right then and there it might be something you can always go back to but at least you have it there as an option there are people mm-hmm. yeah. yeah that's really cool that's really really cool uh angelica any thoughts
2: a little bit about like research in my, my field um so i did so I participated in one lab and then a field quarter in my at my school for, as part of my major. So for my lab, I well to be fair, for my major there wasn't a lot of like Filipinos in ecology, which I can use, <laughs> you, you can't really do much about that right now. But um, um, but there was like LGBTQ representation within my lab. Like I knew like my um, what is it? My grad student who was in charge like was definitely LGBTQ. Um, There's like a few more that were like, that I knew that were out. Um, so that was nice to see like in a lab setting. Cause usually like you usually think of like the what, like the typical like white straight males and like labs like directing labs and stuff. Um, and then I also did a field quarter where I went to French Polynesia with about 15 other of my peers. And while neither, neither, none of them were Filipino, there were like people of color. So there's like Southeast Asians and like Mexicans Mm. like so um yeah so and then there were some that were LGBTQ and people of color so it was kind of nice to see that I did have peers who were similar to me who are going in the field as well they're going in as like researchers but it was still nice to see that they were able to do research.
0: So all of us here have um, we, you know, we have intersecting identities. Um, how does your identity um, affect the way you see yourself, um, or maybe even how other people see you?
1: So, uh, identity is a tough question. Um, it was tough for me figuring out who I was um, on on multiple aspects, um, since especially when I was in high school. Um my family uh, told me never to check the Filipino one. Uh, the Filipino. I was always told to check the white uh, when we were at given racial surveys at high, in high school. And so um, on my family side, it would, felt an extreme disconnect to even think about the Filipino culture um in that I didn't I, I didn't go to lessons like my other friends. I didn't, uh, I would go once a year to a college's Filipino showcase and I would eat the food. Um, and so what Filipino means the most to me is the food. That is the identity I have with, the, with Filipino culture is the food, which is great. Like, I love the food. Um, but it was very weird going into society because sometimes even now at like 28, I forget that I'm tan. I just forget it. I walk into a situation thinking I'm stark white. And, which is actually even why my handle is off-white magician, because I, I feel off-white. And, but that is what society first clocks me as. Nowadays, they look at me and they don't know what is going on, which is what I'm trying to do. Um, but like, especially in high school, I even get at my job still of people coming up to me and going, what are you? I still get it. Uh, if, if I have to do, I did like a finger scan recently, for my job, and they were about to circle Hispanic for me without asking what my what my race and ethnicity was, and I had to be like, no. First of all, I'm other, um, because you don't have two options, and second, you know, or Asian, and they get very confused when I tell them that. Um, even like my my dad is white, um, and my stepmom is Asian. And when I was getting like a fitting done, I told them that my dad was my biological dad and my mom was my stepmom, just so they would know the verbiage. And they continually called my dad, my stepdad the entire time. And so it, it's kind of weird for me to have that a lot because it's just not something I personally connect with as my identity. And nobody in society has ever, you know, most of society actually, and it's probably because of the close knit of friends that I have and the, the accepting job that I have, that when I go, I'm NB, it's she, he, no one really, no one questions it. It's very smooth, it's very fine. And so that I'm very comfortable with, and it is a large part of my identity um, and who I am. And But nowadays I am trying to kind of connect more with the Filipino culture. Um, just because there is a lot more. There's a lot more than food. Uh, it's 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 a beautiful culture, a beautiful country, and I I do especially also just want to learn the language. Um, one because I want to be able to know what our aunts say, uh, and 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 two I want to be able to work and put it into my works, into my writing, um, because I want to write um, a story about a half Filipino person. Um, or a person who's Filipino American who is half white and half Filipino, or a mixture, a mixed Filipino person. And I want language to be part of their identity. And right now, all I got is like, Mihal Kita, that's what I got. And <laughs> Mabuhay, that's all I got. And it hurts me as a writer, just as a writer who wants to write about my my country and, and stuff like that.
0: I really relate to so much of what you're saying. I sometimes feel like I'm not, like I definitely call myself British first, I think, because mm-hmm. I grew up here. I've been living here since I was five. It's all I know. I only speak English like you. I'm try well, I try to learn Tagalog and then I just it just has dropped off completely. I've been so bad at it. And yes, I want to also know what our aunts are gossiping about. Because you know when they drop their names, our names even, and then they drop in the bits of English, and you're just like, I know you're talking about me right next to me in a language (laughs) I don't understand. Like, I know you're talking about me. Um but the words I used to pick up were like from my mum speaking on the phone saying ah Talaga um which means Really, for those anybody who's watching this, um, but yeah, I, I, I think I remember on the forms always ticking white and Asian because, but then Asian here is seen very differently. You tend to think of mm. anybody who's uh, Indian, Pakistani, Bangladeshi, like that part of Asia. Um, we also have a box for Chinese, and mm. that like that's it for East Asian, and like there's no like the demographic forms are not good here at all mm. really like they're a lot more extent like the lo- list is so much longer in the u.s and it and also this is to do with how large your um, hispanic populations are um, but we don't have those options here at all for anybody so you would have to take other i do know of one other um so mixed filipino um who also i i met through science communication and she ticks other and i realize that actually mm. is probably more accurate for me to do that because but because i was raised to be like you have one white parent and you have one parent who's from an asian country that's how i interpret the forms even though mm-hmm. actually that could be incorrect um uh so yeah i really relate a lot to of what you're saying i think about the food as well um and i just don't feel like i just know a lot about the culture i feel like i feel like a fraud quite a lot in mm-hmm. that space but then when you're in a white space i still get those so like so where you? really from where you originally from I'm like here from here (laughs) and they don't like that answer sometimes um can I ask why did your parents want you to tick the white part of the form
1: just because you use the word parents I'm going to clarify Ah. my dad did not tell me my mom did um I don't know why I don't know why to this day um I don't I, I honestly don't know. It might have been. And it's very funny because, you know, you want to click that minority box in America. Like, like you, it gives you money. It, it, it gives you, you know, it gives you, shoot. I'm like, what are those things called that give you money? Scholarships. It gives you scholarships. It gives you grants and stuff like that if you're a minority going to college. So for a while, I was very confused. and I And I had no idea. And maybe it was because he didn't feel like I was part of the Filipino culture at that time because I really I really wasn't. Um, so that could be what it is. Um, but it's just one of those things that, you know, is one of those weird things that's in my head even into adulthood that, oh yeah, I remembered that I clicked white. That was weird.
3: I went through that same thing when I was getting my, my driver's license. Um, Cause it's like, what what do you tick? I don't even know if there's an other for driver's license in Texas. Mm. Um, yeah so i was like okay so do i pick white or asian other throughout like my whole life or both um and so i had this whole conversation with my parents of like do i have to pick between you two like what's the deal um and I, i did pick white because um i somebody had told me that you're supposed to pick like what your dad is um which isn't like true. I don't know who told me that. Yeah, that's wild. I know it, it's really weird, but um, yeah, no, it, it was just like this weird like identity crisis thing of like, which one am I really, you know?
0: Yeah. I love how the patriarchy is reigning, you know, when having to choose <laughs> your ethnicity options on a driving license. I love it, I love one. it. <laughs>
3: But to to answer your question, um which I like which identity I kind of see myself as, or like um or I, I guess, yeah. Uh I think probably my um my LGBTQ identity, because like I, I've always known throughout my whole life that I've liked girls, guys, and you know, everything in between. Um And that has never been, like, a question for me. So it's so, like, like solid. Um, And uh, it's one of those things where I never really came out to anyone but my parents. Because um, things like that that would just come up in conversation because of, you know, the time that I grew up in, you know, Mm -hmm. the early 2000s. Or I I say that because it's like, I say early 2000s because, you know, this was me in, or like late 2000s, because this was me in like elementary school. Mm. I would um, talk about liking girls and people would ask questions about that. And I'd be like, yeah, that's it. And it would be like, fine, you know? Uh, And so I I was really lucky to never really have to um, go through like, the whole like everything that comes with coming out um, with any of my friends, I did have to do that with my parents um, because it's just a different generational thing. Um, but yeah, so I definitely see myself as um, as a pansexual woman even before my my ethnicity identity because I'm also half white half uh, Filipino um, and. I think that is kind of when people see me, I'm sure that that's, that's what they see is like somebody that's just what, like, it's the, I think when people see me, they see like a mystery almost. They're like, when people meet me, they're like trying to figure it out. Like it's like a game or something. (laughs) And so that's, that's, I think what people see when they see me
0: yeah yeah that I, just, like, I was like the nods. <laughs> I was just like this completely um but I I I I, I can see why I think it's very interesting how you talked about your sexuality sort of having that first and I also love the fact that you know you talked about that when you were a kid and because it was fine and normal that's you've never had to question that and I think that really says something about how far we've come mm-hmm. because I think so myself and dr, are like so I'm 31 so I'm quite a bit older and I just that wouldn't have happened when I was at school um and for those who are based in the UK be familiar with section 28 that um that was basically a law that stopped the promotion of homosexuality in schools that was the way it was phrased and so you couldn't talk about any of this at all and that was until I was 13 years old so there was no chance of it and I feel like schools are always playing catch up now so so very positive but it's really great to hear your experience on this um but also yeah it just it's very interesting to hear that sort of difference with that um but I think like for me I definitely I think I tend to think of my gender identity first like my like being a woman first and I think because I'm white passing and also because I'm half white I think the ethnicity stuff is something I've, I've had to really I feel like I've consciously thought a lot more about and then yeah, I'll mention my ace identity in a bit, but I feel like I need to hear from Angelica first.
2: I think my experience with identity is obviously going to be very different from your guys's, since mm-hmm. I am very obviously, like, not white-passing at all. Um, I But I do understand the feeling of being, like, an imposter within the Filipino community, especially being, like, a first-gen, Im- like, immigrant, like, the child of an immigrant, basically. Um, like, you, if I compared myself to uh, uh, my peers who were born and lived in the Philippines for quite a while, they knew like Tagalog, they they could talk to other uh, students in Tagalog and in kind of just be left out. Like you knew the culture a lot more, better than I did. And so like you still get that kind of imposter feeling even though I am pretty much almost fully Filipino. Um, so yeah, it was kind of a struggle to like think of, like, I don't know, to think of your ethnicity ethnicity. Um, but I don't know, it's for me, I think, it's hard for me to choose between my identities as a, like, as a Filipino, and someone who's queer, because I think both mm-hmm. of those had such a big, up, um, had such a big, what's it called? It just was so intersecting, as I was growing up, that you can't really separate them from each other, like being queer, and being Filipino. I don't know, especially when I was growing up, because I feel like I was ostr- ostracized a lot for being Asian uh, in a mm. school that's predominantly like Latinx and, and white. So being an Asian in that community was very disconnecting. And then also growing up, knowing that you were queer, but like also you can't. I grew up in a time where like you could come out, but like not a lot of people were doing it. And if they were, they mm. had their own kind of circles and I wasn't part of any of those circles at that point. So gotcha. I think, yeah, so I think having the intersection of those kind of shaped who I became as an adult and, uh, and still can to shape who I am.
0: And I think it's really uh, interesting, Angelica, what you were saying about if you don't speak Tagalog, you feel that isolation. Um, and that's assuming that all Filipinos speak Tagalog as well. Even if you grow up in the mm. Philippines, you may not actually speak Tagalog. You might speak another language, like uh, how our family speak Ilocano. So actually, speaking Tagalog doesn't necessarily—it's like it's almost seen as like that marker of you—you know—you've got to speak the language to be Filipino enough. But that's that's a load of rubbish, quite frankly. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I think I, I want to pick up about from what Angelica was saying about how your, how the sort of two identities, so your Filipino identity and your queer identity are kind of really connected. And I'd be really interested to kind of know a bit more from anyone here, um, how your Filipino identity does affect your queer identity or vice versa?
1: Actually, I have like kind of an interesting thing about how we had at my college, a very big LGBTQ and a very big kind of Filipino culture. A lot of those mixed. So what I found a lot other than, um, is that a lot of Filipinos were part of the queer community. And it was kind of very helpful to kind of see, um, because I didn't, I had like a group of friends in high school and all of them were not like, that was kind of the difference is that in high school, all of my queer friends, were white. And then once I got to college, all of my queer friends were not necessarily white. Um, And so it was nice to finally feel that it was okay in our culture, for one, um, in that I grew up in a time where LGBTQ was very quiet. We were, we identified inside ourselves, but we didn't identify with society. We didn't really have um, LGBTQ groups in my high school. It was like me and a bunch of friends met at a couch. That was it. That was, that was the LGBT group uh, at my high school is, is 15 gays met at a a couch, LGBTQ met at a couch. And it's kind of what shaped us kind of moving forward is that we were all that was our community going into college and then once i, I found a a sanctioned lgbt group i would kind of went oh oh we're going to be okay we're going to be fine we're not we're not going to have to secretly meet at a couch anymore like we can just like like one of the the filipino lgbt one of the filipino lgbtq was like very very forward about his lgbtq um identity. And I was like, sweet. And like, and 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 like one or two would like take me under their wing and, and help me find binders. And, and I was kind of like, because whenever I would talk to our family, I forgot, they would use the word, the, 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 I don't know if it was Tagalog or Ilocano word for gay, but they would whisper about it. And it would, it would be, it'd be like, oh, he's, I forget the word what is it? Bakla. Yeah, he's, ba- I was going to call it baklavan. I was not going to do that. I <laughs> um, guess. oh, he's bakla, and I'm like, and it'd be like one of those words where I was just like, is that the word for gay, or is that one of the bad words? Like, I thought one of the words in our language was a bad word, but then I ended it up just learning that it was a word that they used as a bad. It was kind of like one of our words that we took its real meaning and then made it into something else. And so bakula was one of those words for me is I was like, oh, that's not going to be great in our community. And then now we're kind of picking up a little bit more in the Filipino community. And it was always really interesting going back to the Philippines because it's a little like, it's it's still, it's, I can't speak on the Philippines, but when I went there with family and there would be just like uh, like, tr- uh, like some of the tribes, and I'm going to goof up a lot here, where it would be very, maybe at a later time we could talk, but it, there was, it, was, it was a lot more, it made me feel okay again, basically. It was, it, it, I don't know if, if, if the Filipino culture looked at it okay when I went there, but for me watching what was happening, I, I felt more okay with my identity in the Filipino culture specifically. I never really
3: saw a lot of mix between my um, my queer identity and um, my Filipino identity other than um, really the religion aspect of it. Mm. Um, because, uh, You know, our Filipino side of the family is mainly Catholic. Um, And there are a lot of, like, taboos about it. Um, My mom, when I came out to her, I came out to her, I think, like, my freshman or sophomore year of high school. Um, And she was super understanding, but she, when I talked to her about, I talked to her about it afterwards, and um, she told me that what she was feeling in that moment was that she was um, scared for me mm-hmm. um, because she understood how um, people in the queer communities are treated um, from, from where she comes from and where what from what she's seen. Um, and I, I don't know if she meant just in society or throughout history or um specifically in catholic or um like filipino spaces but um there really is that like that um taboo of like oh i still love you but this is this feels wrong mm-hmm. uh, and I, I don't really know where that comes from but uh, i always kind of associated that with um catholicism and um and uh being filipino i agree with elena like the whole
2: catholicism thing and like growing up in the catholic church you kind of hear like being gay isn't okay and stuff like that i heard that a lot growing up and i knew my parents like when i I was growing up specifically they'd be like don't question the church like it would be kind of that conversation um luckily i think that's kind of changed a little bit now but um that's definitely what i heard back then um and then i also think that growing up I grew up a lot watching a lot of like the Filipino channel, you know, and like the queer representation on Filipino channels is like the gay person's like the butt of the joke. They're the comedian. Yeah. They're like not taken seriously, and they're always bakla. They're like, edit, mm-hmm. like sure they're there, but it's not a good representation. I think. Um. So, I think what really helped me is like learning a lot about like indigenous filipinos and like how their practices are a lot different from before we were uh what's it called colonized so like knowing that like non-binary genders exist knowing that same Mm sex like relationships were okay so stuff like like seeing stuff about that in the Philippines before we were colonized like really helped and like i think a lot of times now like i think filipino youth are kind of going back to that like seeing that this is what our culture really is this is what we really like stood for back then and then kind of knowing that like now it's okay like it kind of healed you i think
0: i think i would agree that things have gotten a lot better if i had to come out as a teenager i don't think i mean i guess because i still like boys but with yeah, that's an interesting thing with I, i've been thinking about with asexuality is that the lack of interest in sex and how they'll be like oh well before marriage cool if you're not that's really really great uh from like our culture's perspective right but then it's the post-marriage thing like to be asked like the week before getting married like so when you're having kids or like i remember when going to a wedding in the philippines and it's like when they have children not if thought that was really interesting and like when i came out to one family member and uh they said oh so you're not having kids like and this was not necessary immediately afterwards this was a couple of hours later but it's just the whole thing of um how things can be so tied to having family and having children and that expectation and i think that i don't necessarily have that on me and i don't feel that pressure but it's still kind of there if that makes sense um yeah, I don't know if anybody else has has that kind of experience. Definitely been asked like,
2: you like, oh, so when are you, like, how many kids are you gonna have in the future and stuff, and like questions like that. Which at the time I'm like, I was always like, I'm wait, like too young to be thinking about that. Like I wouldn't be thinking about this anytime soon, and it always made me feel really uncomfortable getting asked that question because I think they kind of assume like you're straight, you're gonna marry like a guy basically. And that's not necessarily true. And even if like, even if like me and my girlfriend would like later on like adopt, like we don't necessarily have to, like it doesn't like you don't
3: necessarily have to have children. It reminded me of this um, because Angelica you said, uh, you talk a little bit about um, like TV and like watching Filipino TV. One thing that has been really interesting for me to watch and I I talked to some of my like queer Filipino friends um, and it's kind of the same for them and their, especially their moms, um, where they've been getting really into RuPaul's Drag Race <laughs> because there's just something about the like the dramatics of it that I feel like Filipino moms just love, <laughs> yeah. and that has been bringing like a lot of really cool conversations that I've got to have with my mom about like what it what does it mean to be transgender and like what is. Um, and like really being able being able to see it and be like, oh, okay, they're they're good, they're fine, so everything that's going on with me is good and it's fine, you know. That's been an interesting thing that I've I've gotten to see and experience with um, the Filipino identity and my queer identity.
1: Yeah, um, for me, I I grew up with with RuPaul's Drag Race, like first season, moving on, and Though I have a lot of opinions about RuPaul herself, um, it was very great. It, my, my, I mean, my favorite, one of my biggest role models who helped me through high school on was Manila Luzon because that was the first time, um, other than my college, where I saw where I saw a, a, a Filipino LGBTQ person and. She was wild and her music video spoke to me and she was unapologically LGBTQ and unapologically Filipino. So it, you know, and then then watching her come out in like a big bird outfit, I was just like, I'm gonna be just fine. But yeah. And.
0: um, So I, I have tried to introduce my mom to RuPaul's Drag Race. And I did talk about Manila Luzon because I also just love I, all the, like just the creativity with the outfits. Also super robbed in All Stars. Just want to put that one out there. And I think uh, Manila Luzon is not the only drag performer to be on Drag Race. I think there was, I think in season one, there's... The
1: Angina. There was Angina, Angina and then there's also um, Jujubee um uh, there's been there's been a lot of actually a lot that's actually where a lot i mean that's that's a lot of the filipino LGBTQ at the college i went to were we're like big fans of the show because almost every season had a filipino representation or an asian representation and as as people who don't see that a lot especially when we went to school we were just like oh my gosh and um
0: so as you know, I have filmed this for LGBTQ STEM Day. Uh, this is the third year, although originally they celebrate in July. Uh, it is now moved to the 18th of November this year. And the idea of the day is to raise the visibility of people who are LGBTQ who work in STEM or study in STEM or, yeah, all around that sort of thing. And I wanted to ask all of you, uh, why you
1: feel representation in STEM is important? I, I do know a lot of research papers that are very important to me and and a lot of my NB friends, um, where we're able to talk to people um, who kind of tell us you know that NB or trans isn't real, um, and that it's you know it's 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 a mental illness or it's it's something else and it helps to just be able to be like, well, if you, if you need science instead of just me, a person telling you, um, here's what a lot of researchers have found. And like, it's helped me a lot and people getting all up in my business and telling me that I shouldn't have rights for some reason. Uh, and just being like, I'm going to immediately shut you down because you got into a fisticuffs with the wrong person. Like, and it's just, so I'm definitely gonna look and see what, what more arsenal I can get and definitely appreciate those who are who are doing the good work.
3: So right now I'm in linear algebra, which has been the hardest like calculus class I've ever had to take because it's so abstract and I have such a hard time like understanding things that I can't picture. And it's stuff that is um, really simple, but I've never had to think about math in this particular way ever before. Um, And so I, like this past semester, I've just been like working at it and working at it. And I keep um, having to look through material that I've already seen um, over and over again. And then, you know, there's always this like, oh, okay, I get it now. And I think that that's kind of how I view, um, like, what is it called? What is it? Representation. (laughs) Okay. That's how, that that's kind of how I view representation. Um, we need to, you know, keep talking about this stuff. And I'm really happy that there is a LGBTQ STEM day because the more that we talk about, like, um, you know, queer awareness, the more, um, the more that it'll start to like get into the brains of other people and um, people will finally be able to understand it because they've heard about it so much.
2: Um, I said before that ecology is a very white-dominated field, um, so I think it's important for people to know that there's a non-gender-conforming, queer person of color, specifically maybe Filipino person, who is... Who went into ecology, who is doing, maybe doing research, maybe exploring other options in ecology that their options aren't limited. And to know that there, you can go into this field. You, you can do it. And I think, I think 16 year old me would be very proud that of where we, we are, like where I am today and the path that I've taken to get to where I am today. And. Um, I also think that, like, ecology is also a very interesting field because, you know, like, nature is full of all of these, uh, not, like, these same things that, like, we go through. There's same-sex partnerships between, like, animals. There's fish that transgender gender from male to female, from female to male, that these things are part of nature. They're not strange. They're not anomalies. They're just part of nature. And so I think it's important for people to, like, see nature and to know that, hey, humans, are part of nature we can be part like it's not strange for people to be transgender to be queer so i think it's important for um i don't know i think that representation is important for especially for my field so yeah
0: oh really great answers um i think as a science communicator it's especially as science communicators often in front of young audiences it's something i'm always really thinking about and being aware of but also it does affect the way we communicate science i think i've seen some really not so good examples <laughs> let's just say or science communication or actually here's something that really bothers me is that um when we have the briefings here for covid there are so many white men there is, mm-hmm. it, it's just it's just i remember watching um, the last the last one i watched is when we were um, about to go into the next lockdown and just I just saw white man after white man and it's just when you have they're meant to be speaking on behalf of the population which aren't just white men (laughs) quite frankly um so i think not just in doing the research but in terms of what else we do with the science whether that's consulting whether that's teaching or whether that's my kind of role communicating the science so i just wanted to thank you all for taking the time to sit down with me and chat about everything we've just talked about, um, I think this is, we've never had a conversation like this before uh, with all of us. Um, I just remember for how many years nobody came out and I was like statistically with 12 cousins, there's gotta be one. I didn't expect one of them would be me (laughs) to be honest Uh, (laughs) um, but uh, yeah and I feel like um when our individual conversations um yeah I've had with you individually I've learned so much just from chatting to you already um in terms of me coming to um terms of my identity so thank you for that uh but also just yeah thank you so much for this I thought this was like a really great conversation to have it was really great to hear how different our experiences are but also just the similarities and just like it, just how relatable this conversation is because I don't get I don't always have these conversations in my field, um, but also just in everyday life. So just want to say thank you really. Um, is there anything else you want to
1: mention before we, we stop recording? Uh, I, I just also want to say thank you for, you know, for setting this up and inviting us all here. Um, I, I, for one, looked at the 12 Cousin and went, oh, please let me not be the only one. Um, so it's, it, you know, as I've said previously, it's, it's good to know I'm not alone. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm happy that we've had this conversation and hopefully, you know, we can, we can powwow again. That'd be fun.
3: I mean, I, I, I'm one of the, the, the babies of the family. So I, I guess, you know, thank you guys for being such good science role models and, and queer role models you guys have been awesome and you guys are still awesome <laughs> <laughs> this is the first
1: time you were awesome but it's
3: fun
2: <laughs> oh yeah thank you Sarah for setting everything up and I don't know just having put, like an open space to talk about things because I definitely yeah. have not been able to talk about like this kind of stuff before so
0: thank you guys Ooh. amazing do you want to do like an episode two because we could do an episode two <laughs> <laughs> okay I shouldn't I shouldn't my chin.
1: I mean I'm like I was like I'm ready I'm for it I'm stuck inside during quarantine um, <laughs> all
0: right it's been to have a
1: lot of fun game,
0: um <laughs> okay cool uh right thank you so much and um yeah that's it that's us